Welcome to Walking by Faith, where we believe that God is relevant to every aspect of our lives, and we want to help you live a life that is both authentic and on fire for Jesus. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, scan the QR code right here on your screen. You can also find them on our app. For more content, visit our YouTube channel and be sure to like and subscribe. Today, we have a great word from Mike Signorelli, lead pastor at V1 Church in New York City. What makes us different from the people of the world? Why do most of us feel like we are living a subpar life? These are the questions that Pastor Mike is challenging us with today. He will call us up into a higher way of living, a life that is led by the Spirit. Let's jump right into Spirit Lead Me. We're going to jump into the Word today. And I want to show you an illustration that the Lord gave me. And so we're going to kind of take it one step at a time. But, you know, there's really only about three types of people that you're going to encounter in life. And each and every one of you will have to make a decision which one of these three people you will be. And, and the first person that kind of sits in this seat, this, this person, if you're taking notes, this is the natural person. This is the self-directed life. The matter of fact, if you're in church right now and you're watching this, you probably aren't one of these people, uh, but you work with these people. You go to school with these people. These people are your family members that you see a couple times a year, uh, you know, when you have holidays together. So these people, uh, they have not received Jesus Christ. They, they have not received him. As a matter of fact, self is on the throne and self directs all their decisions and actions and Often it results in frustration. I'm going to read a verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. And it says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for their folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Now, if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, this word folly, everybody say folly. Okay, it means foolishness, but I want to go deeper. Can I go deep today? Is that all right? Okay, foolishness in the original language means being ridiculously or wildly unreasonable. So what this means is, you know, these people, they're living their life and they're just trying to get by. You know, I know that you don't have anybody smoking marijuana here in Michigan, but in New York, we have that problem. And these people are good people, but they use it to get by. And it's THC and caffeine and nicotine. And, and when they're driving to work, they turn the music up real loud. And they're just trying to survive. I want to rock and roll all night. Oh, you guys probably know that song. And party every day. I. Okay, only a few old school rock and rollers here. Probably you all are Beyonce fans. And so... You know, they turn up the music and they're just trying to survive. You know, it's, it's as many physical experience that you can create at the same time. So taste, touch, smell, it's everything through their physical being. And it's like, how high can I get? How drunk can I get? How loud can the music get? And I just have to survive all of the pain and anxiety and depression and brokenness of this life. And I am in control. No, the thing about 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, it says the natural person, they do not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness. They're absolutely ridiculous. It's unreasonable and wildly unreasonable. So the fact that you woke up today to go to church, 
on a day you didn't have to go to work and you decided to take a shower and put on nice clothes and come here is wildly unreasonable to them. And as a matter of fact, this Christmas when you're with them, they might even tell you how crazy you are for giving your finances to the local church. Now, never mind the fact that they spend their money on weed, alcohol, THC. Never mind the fact that they give huge portions of their money to Panera Bread and to the local Applebee's. But heaven forbid you support the local church. Oh, come on. We're going to get sassy today. We're going to faithful are the wounds of a friend. I'd rather cut you with the truth than kiss you with a lie. Amen. Isn't it funny? Doesn't it reveal that they're in this seat, that they're mad at you for giving your money to the church, but they support Bud Light? Okay, I'm amongst friends. But this is a natural person. So when you give your finances, that's a spiritual decision. And it says it's wildly unreasonable to them. Some of you are serving on teams today. And, and you say, I'm, not only am I going to go to church, but I'm going to stay extra long and serve. They're like, you are crazy. You're a psychopath. But see, they'll go to work and they'll work overtime to get more money to fund more addictions. But the natural person can't understand. So they turn up the Beyonce. Oh, the single ladies. Oh, I don't know. I just embarrass myself. I, I don't know Beyonce. But, you know, they turn up the music. They, they vape. They drink more alcohol. They're trying to do whatever they can to survive. And some of these people have great hearts. They want to do the right thing, but they're lost. Okay, many of you here are like, okay, Pastor Mike, that's not me. I'm not that person. Well, maybe you're the, the next person. Okay, now don't get too excited yet. <laughs> this is the carnal person. Now, this is a carnal Christian, though. And this, okay, now, am I your friend? Do you promise to still love me when this is over? Because some of you might be like, Pastor Dwayne, please don't ever bring him back. This is a carnal Christian, and the reality is most of you are sitting in this seat. Now, I say that out of love. I know my name's Mike Signorelli. You can call me Papa Sigs right now. Because I'm going to have to give you some uncomfortable truths, but I'm doing it in love. And the carnal Christian, this is one who's received Christ, but they live in defeat because he's trying to live, he or she's trying to live that Christian life in their own strength. So Jesus is in their life, but not on the throne. Self is on the throne and self is directing the decisions and actions and it often results in frustration. Okay, I got a verse for you. First Corinthians chapter three. First Corinthians chapter three, verse one through three. And I, brethren, I could not speak to you as spiritual men, but as, okay, can I read it the way that I think the apostle wrote it? Because, you know, the older I get, and I've got a 16-year-old here, Bella, and, you know, when you have teenagers, and I pastor a multi-site church, and I'm raising up leaders and pastors, I started reading the Bible differently. So I'm going to read a familiar passage with an unfamiliar revelation. And I, brethren, I couldn't speak to you as spiritual men, but as to men of the flesh, as infants, widow babies in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not able to receive it. Indeed, even now, you're not yet able. 
I have a 16-year-old. You're not ready to drive a car. I can't even trust you with a cell phone. You're just a whittle teenager, Bella. Do you hear the language? I want to give you a car, but I have to learn to trust you with other things first. You need to clean your room first. See, the apostle, he's speaking to the church and he's saying, I want to entrust you more, but I can't. Now watch, this is, we're going to go there, okay? Because I feel like y'all are ready for this. Indeed, even now you're not able, for you are still fleshly. Say the word fleshly. Why? For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly and are you not walking like mere men? Oh, this is so good. In churches all across America, we have made the milk and the meat. How intellectually profound and articulate and deep can you, how much Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic, and authorial intent and historic background can you give us? That's the meat of the word. No, that's not the meat of the word. And people have even left churches and then said, I'm going to another church because this church doesn't teach the meat. You know what's so ironic about people who say that? They're taking that scripture out of context to say that. You can't leave this church saying, well, we don't teach the meat of the word. Because according to the apostle, the meat of the word is not how articulately you communicate it and what kind of verbal linguistic gymnastics you can do with the language and wow people. The meat of the word is how obedient to the spirit you are. And so if you are surrendered and submitted to Jesus Christ through the person of the Holy Spirit, living a spirit-filled life, now you are living the meat. Does that make sense? And so, because this is what it says, for since there's jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly and are you not walking like mere men? And so milk and meat, it's not deep preaching and shallow preaching. It's spirit-led living or carnal living. Oh, come on, we're going there today. Because the carnal Christians, they're no different than the unsaved people. We have our music too. We're just trying to get by. How can I do it in my own strength that we turn up our music? Shout to the Lord all the earth. Okay, that's old school. <laughs> you unravel me. <laughs> with And so, oh, that's my jam. I'm no longer a slave. Y'all know that one? See, what happens is the carnal Christian who's sitting in this seat, they're turning their music up too. And they're saying, I need this music to get by. I'm no longer a slave to fear. And they're just turning their music up. And then the person over here who's not a Christian is like, I want to rock and roll all night. And they're saying, oh, I understand why you're doing that. We're doing the same thing. And you're telling them, oh, no, 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 you can't sing that music. you got to sing our music. And they're saying, well, your music makes you feel better, and my music makes me feel better, so what's the difference? Oh, come on. Oh, I'm going there today. And then this person says, oh, you know, your unsafe friend, they say, well, you have your church. I have the Kiwanis, the Key Club, the local YMCA. I have a community. There's a lot of communities out there. Oh, help me, Lord. Help me preach this. I have AA. I have, you have your group and I have my group. What you're doing is no different than what I'm doing. 
And then you say, no, 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 but the church, it's different. The church, it's special. We, we should all come together. We should worship and sing these songs. And they're saying, yeah, we did that at the Taylor Swift concert. You give your tithes and offering. We buy tickets. It's the same thing. Oh, come on. Do y'all still love me? Okay, now watch. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. In so many churches across America, we have people that are still milk Christians, not because our worship's not good. We have the best production we've ever had in human history. Not because our sermons aren't amazing. We have the best communicators in human history. It's because we don't know the things of the Spirit. We've taken the spiritual things and we've dialed them in and made them as carnal as possible. And the people of the world are saying, I don't want that. It's not attractive to me. Oh, parents, can I just tell you? That Gen Z is not becoming more atheistic. Gen Z is spiritual but not religious. Did you know they have a mobile app on their phone called TikTok? And one of the most viral categories of it is hashtag witch talk. Did you know that? Because Gen Z is looking for the supernatural. They're looking for the spiritual. If you go into the grocery stores, if you go into the stores where they buy clothing, the impulse buy at the register is tarot cards so that they can learn how to read tarot cards. Did you know this? And so Gen Z is telling us, they're saying, we don't want dead, dry religion, but we do want the supernatural. And how many of you know the devil shows up parading as an angel of light? And he says, oh, I'll give you the supernatural. And he gives them a counterfeit power. And then here's the thing. How many of you know that even networks of demons work together and they trade and exchange information? And so even a psychic medium will be accurate, not because they're hearing from God, but because they're hearing from a false spirit. And so now we have carnal, we have carnal, we have carnal fleshly people. They're dead in their spirit. They haven't accepted Christ and they're just experiencing as many physical things as possible. And then some of them are saying, but maybe the spiritual realm is real. How do I access it? And they love shows about ghosts and ghost hunters. And they love shows about uh, the spiritual and the supernatural. And they're getting into occult practices that, and, and Pastor Dwayne mentioned influencers. But how many of you know that there's influencers even within the realm of occult practices now? And there's people that would have never heard about all of these other things. But now because of the internet, your kids are in their bedroom doing spiritual practices. And then you have this Christian that's saying, I wish you would just go to this and I wish you would just listen to this music and I wish you would go with the program. But the problem is to those who are spiritually dead, it looks the same. Are you with me today? To those who are spiritually dead, it looks exactly the same. And so what, what must we do? What's the next level? We must learn how to operate in the spiritual realm. Let me tell you a story from when I was a teenager. I remember my mom, she's a single mom with five kids. 
and she raised us and we, we struggled. She got married multiple times to uh, what became abusive stepfathers. And so my childhood was spent be- between a trailer park in South Chicago and, you know, just subsidized housing in Northwest Indiana. And I remember um, we were just trying to survive and we weren't these people, but I think in a lot of ways we were these people. And my mom said, well, we got to go to church every week because that's going to help our family. But then all of a sudden we started learning the supernatural. And when we started learning the supernatural on how to live a spirit filled life, things begin to change. And I remember uh, my mother, she got a diagnosis and I was a teenager and the diagnosis she got was that she had tumors and cysts and that she needed to go into a surgery and they were going to remove the tumors and cysts and she was going to be bedridden. And then that meant that our family was not going to have any provider. And you all know what happens next in those situations. And so I remember saying, oh, Lord, we're going to lose our place where we stay. We're going to lose our house. Everything's going to be really, really bad. We need a miracle. How many of you know that impossible situations will force you to move out from being a carnal Christian to a Christian led by the Holy Spirit? There's an activation that happens, you know, in those types of situations. And I said, oh, God, this is truly a test of what I believe and what I don't believe. So something began to rise up inside of me as a teenager. And uh, we were at Masonic Hospital in Chicago, and they were prepping my mom for the surgery. And the surgeon came to meet with us, and he said, hey, uh, I just want to tell you it's going to be several hours. When it's over, we'll come and get you, and we'll give you an update. I looked at that doctor, and I said, when you open up my mother, you will not find any tumors or any cysts. Oh, come on, you're clapping already, so there must be some spirit-filled believers in this place. How many of you know that faith speaks and fear jumps? How many of you know that the power of life and death is in your tongue? How many of you know that spirit-filled Christians know how to change an atmosphere by the words that they use? And I was just new to this. I didn't know what I was doing. And I just said, and he goes, what did you say? And I said, hmm? I said, I said, when you open her up, you're not going to find any tumors or any cysts. Well, all of a sudden, hours went by, and a person who worked for the hospital said, hey, the, the surgeon wants to speak with you in another room. Well, here in America, when they take you to another room, that's often an indicator that your loved one passed away, and they want to prepare you to tell you they died. So I was immediately filled with fear. Have you ever had a moment where you say the right thing when it's time to say it? but then fear starts to creep in afterwards. See, when you're sitting in this seat, there's going to be a tug of war. That's why the Bible says, I do what I don't want to do. And what I don't want to do, I do. There's a tug of war in this seat between the spirit and the flesh. And see, I was in that moment where I was like, oh Lord, I feel so much fear right now, thinking that they're bringing me into this other room to console me because my mother has died. Instead, I come into the room and this doctor looks at me and he's like, tell me again what you said to me before the surgery. And I said, well, I told you that when you open up my mother, you're not going to find any tumors or any cysts. And he goes, okay, can we take a seat? (laughs) Come on, somebody. And it was me and him. And, 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 and he's sitting in the seat and he's like, okay, I want to tell you what happened. I went to go make the standard incision where we always make an incision. And when I went to go make that incision, um, I heard my head nurse, the, the head nurse said, no, don't cut her there. You have to cut her in another spot, this other spot. 
And I did it. And when I did that, I realized that there was a main artery running another direction. And if I would have cut your mother in the standard way we do all these surgeries, she would have hemorrhaged and bled out and died on the table. So then I went to my head nurse and I said, hey, thank you for that information. You really saved me today. And the nurse looked up to me and said, I never said anything. (laughs) That's when they knew something was changed. See, the atmosphere begins to change. Something begins to happen. There's worlds start colliding between the physical and the supernatural dimension. You probably can feel the atmosphere changing right now. Some of you are going to be healed even before this sermon is over. God's about to do something in your body. God's about to touch you. I know that you came from all over today expecting, God, I feel the anointing. But then he said, I got to tell you the next thing that happened. I open up your mother. And, I, and he goes, you understand, I, I, have, I have all of the scans. I had all of the information, all the data. But when I opened her up, there were no tumors and no cysts. And I had to close your mother up and send her away. Can somebody shout hallelujah if God is good? And I said, I said, well, it was Jesus Christ that did that. And he said, well, I'm a Muslim. You mean Jesus, the prophet? I said, no, Jesus, the Messiah, the savior of the world, not Jesus, the prophet. Come on, somebody shout. And I said, today I'm going to get you a Bible and I'm coming back with a Bible today for you. And I gave that Muslim doctor at Masonic Hospital in Chicago a Bible and said, welcome to the winning side. (laughs) This is when I started to really learn and understand that, man, let me just tell you, young people, being one of these Christians is boring If you don't like being a Christian, you're doing it wrong. The Christian life is an adventure. It's a wonderful adventure where you wake up and Eugene Peterson in the message translation, he gives a translation that you wake up and you say, what's next, dad? What's next, papa? I mean, the life of a Christian is not the life of survival. It's the life of thriving. And when we turn that music up, it's not to drown out anxiety. It's to say in Grand Rapids as it is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, God. Today, what's going to happen on the job? Spirit, break out. And carnal Christians, they, they simply don't understand this. They don't understand this. And I just want to tell you, if you're sitting in this seat, if you found yourself growing cold, cynical, one of the biggest indicators that you're sitting in this seat is you become a critic We don't need more bloggers. We need more prophets and evangelists and shepherds and people flooding the streets. We don't need more blogs. We need more prophecies and words in the street. And we need people to rise up. But when you're sitting in this seat, you always have a complaint. You know, I would rather be a chef than a food critic. I'd rather be an author than a literary critic. And I'd rather be a burning one than a lukewarm Christian. Anybody with me on that? Because when you're, you know, when I first moved to New York City, and I, I want to honor Pastor Dwayne, he really believed in me in a time where probably not many people believed in me. And I remember when I moved to New York City, 
I was, um, you know, the pastors there, they told me the average weekly attendance is 30 people. And they thought they were helping me. They said, we just want to protect your expectations. I said, protect my expectations. What kind of language is that? I, I saw Moses stood in front of the Red Sea and it parted. I serve a God that does the miraculous. What do you mean? And they said, well, we've been out here. You don't know New York. See, carnal Christians will put Saul's armor on you before you fight Goliath. And it was David who said, I don't prove that armor. I know he delivered me from the paw of the lion and the bear and surely this uncircumcised Philistine. And see, what they didn't realize is I was going to New York City where there's a whole bunch of Muslims, but I've already seen God save a Muslim in Northwest Indiana and Chicago before I moved to New York City. How many of you know that you've got to reference your past to know your future? God gave you a victory back then. He's going to give you a victory again. He's going to do it again. He was faithful. He healed you back then. He's going to heal you again. He saved you. Surely he can save your family members. But carnal Christians, they can't understand this because the warfare and the battle of the mind. That's why the apostle is saying, I really wanted to speak to you as spiritual men, but, but you're really men of flesh. You're infants in Christ. And I really feel like this is a wake up call for many of you who are sitting in this seat. You know so much. It's time to activate it. I moved to New York city and all of a sudden, you know, these pastors, they told me what could and couldn't happen. And we're having movie theater church. And that was the only venue that I could get. And I was one sermon. I was talking about God as a father. And I said, if you want to receive God as your heavenly father, just raise your hand. And I look all the way up into the balcony and there's this beautiful, big brown man waving me down. Like he's trying to land an airplane. And I was like, well, that's not necessarily the Christian way to do that. Usually we just raise one hand. But that man really wants God. After the service was over and I had led everybody to Christ uh, through, through Romans chapter 10, verse 9, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, and you will be saved. All of a sudden, I met him on our mezzanine. And he said, hey, it's so nice to meet you, Pastor. My name's Ayush. I said, Ayush, where are you from? He's like, well, my family's from India. And he said, we're multi-generational Hindus. And I said, well, today really messed that up for you, didn't it? <laughs> I said, what happened? Because when I said, who wants to accept Christ? You were waving me down. And he said, oh, he goes, recently my, my dad died. And in Hinduism, we watch the body burn for hours and hours. And it's a form of mourning that we go through. And he said, the whole time I was watching my dad's body burn, I kept thinking to myself, I'll never have a father again. I'll be fatherless for the rest of my life. And he said, when I came to church, well, I, I've been severely depressed and I've been grieving. I, I've been in a mourning season. And, and one of my friends said, you've got to come to church. Just try it. And, and I got into church and you were saying, you can have a father. You can have a heavenly father. If you're orphaned, if you're broken, if you come from abuse and trauma like I did, you can have a father. And he said, you were speaking right into the pain. And that's when I knew I need Jesus. So that Hindu became a Christian through the adoption of Jesus Christ. And Ayush became saved. Weeks later, I baptized Ayush. And, and, and it, I just love seeing people who've never been a part of church do some of our church stuff because they don't even know how to do it right. And it's amazing. I baptized him and I put him under that water. And when he came up, he shot up eight feet like free willy out of that water. And he just screamed, "Woo! this is amazing. This is the best feeling of my life. 
The joy of my salvation. Some of you have lost the joy of your salvation. When you sit in this seat, oh, Lord, help me. I'm going to turn this way so I don't offend you. When you sit in this seat, you will exchange the joy of your salvation for the criticisms of being a professional Christian. I don't want to be a professional Christian. I don't want to ever get better at Christianity. I want to get better at being surrendered to the Holy Spirit. I want to submit and surrender to him and say, God, whoever you want me to be, however you want me to live, I want to live that way. I don't ever want to be a professional. Matter of fact, for as many people as I lead to Christ on the stages of V1 Church, I always go into the streets and say, God, without a piano player behind me, can I still lead him to you? Oh, and they cuss me out in New York City. And I say, oh, I love being persecuted. (laughs) I know Peter doesn't respect me yet, but he will one day. Why do I say this? Because I want to move you out of this seat today. This is not why you submitted and surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, to sit in this seat full of, I hope they come out with a new song. I hope Bethel and Upper Room and Hillsong come out with a new song. I hope Elevation Church comes out with a new song. I hope we have another conference. I hope that they hype me up with another feel-good message. You did not sit in this seat because this seat is all about emotions. It's all about feeling. It's all about your mind. It's all about what you can and can experience through that realm. And it makes us not that much different than the these people. But, but there's one more seat. And this is the seat that I came here today to, to, to move you into the seat. And can I just tell you when the scriptures say that broad is the road and many people will walk on it. Do you see now that it's, there's even going to be people who cast out demons in the name of Jesus and they're going to do these amazing things. And the Lord's going to say, depart from me for I never knew you see how, how broad this road is. And very few people will ever get to this seat, but I think that we can get a whole auditorium of people and everybody watching online in this seat today. Because in this seat, it's try harder, be a better Christian. Oh, I messed up. I can't go to church and show my face because I was vaping and smoking and drinking with this person. I have to try harder. I have to fast. I have to pray. I got a dear woman in my church and she came to growth track after church one day and she said, Pastor Mike, She said, I've been fasting. I've been praying. I've been reading my Bible more. She said, I've been giving more to the church. I said, praise God. She said, I've been serving more. I said, praise God. And she said, I've been doing all these things as much as I could because I want to receive the gift of tongues. And I haven't received the gift of tongues to speak in other languages according to the spirit. Why is that, Pastor Mike? And what she was revealing is that she was sitting in this seat. I said, If you did all that work, it wouldn't be the gift of the spirit. It would be the reward of the spirit. It's not the rewards of the spirit. It's the gifts of the spirit. If you can earn it, it's a reward, but you can't earn it. You only receive it. Can I just tell you, if you're sitting in the seat, you're always trying to earn it. You're always trying to try harder, push harder, but there's another way. Can I show you the last and final seat? See, this seat, you actually don't sit in it at all. This seat, you reserve for the king. And you get down on your knees 
Oh, I'm talking to the blue collar construction working men whose knees hurt from laying tile. I'm talking to the mothers that are changing diapers and raising kids. And I'm talking to the white collar professionals in suits right now. You don't sit in this seat. You bow before the one who does. And you say, Jesus, you're worthy of praise. I worship you and you alone, God. You are the true and living God. And I worship you like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I have an inheritance. And God, if you can do anything with my family, do it, God. In this seat, you say, I've been grafted in. And God, I want to be that bloodline generational curse breaker. There's some things that run in my family, but I am where they run out. Come on, can somebody shout if you know what I'm talking about? This is how you win the war, by waving your white flag and saying, I was an enemy to God. I was against everything that you stand for, but my family name is going to mean the name of Jesus Christ. There's no more Signorellis. There are just children bought by the blood of the Lamb. In this seat, they're fighting addiction. In this seat, they're fighting addiction. But on your knees, addiction is broken in Jesus' name. In this seat, it's, oh, oh how, how much medication can I have? In this seat, it's by his stripes I am healed. Right here, there's something about this. First Corinthians begins to break this down. It says, but the spiritual man, the spiritually mature Christian judges all things, questions and examines and applies what the Holy Spirit reveals. Somebody say the word reveal. Yet himself is judged by no one. The unbeliever cannot judge and understand the believer's spiritual nature. For who has known the mind and the purposes of the Lord so as to instruct him? Another scripture says his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Can I just tell you if you will step into the spiritual dimension and say, Jesus, take me by the hand. He will teach you to walk by the Spirit. If you will let him take your hand, there are some things that your mother never got freedom for, but you will. There are some things that your grandmother and great-grandmother never got freedom from, but you will. There's some things that run through the bloodline on your father's side that your father and grandfather and great-grandfather never got freedom from, but you will be the first because you say, God, I submit and surrender my genetic code, my bloodline, my inheritance, and I want to be switched into a new inheritance by the gospel, and I want to be what you want me to be, God. There's no other explanation for why a trailer park welfare kid is standing in front of you than the blood of Jesus. Oh, we're getting ready to pray in a few moments. Recently, I did a genealogy, and I spent money to have them trace my line back because I said, surely there's got to be something redeemable on one of the sides of my family. Do you know that I got the report back, and when I got it back, premature death on both sides. When I got it back, all kinds of dysfunction, jail, all these kinds of things. And I said, Lord, I thought in my bloodline I was going to find something significant. Clear as day, the Holy Spirit said, oh, you did. It was me. Christianity is unique because we have a Savior. God himself came in the flesh and died on a cross to pay for our sins. And Jesus said this, 
He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. He's saying, all the good things that you could do or I could do could never make us right with God. There's only one way, and that is through Jesus. And if you're listening today and you say, well, I'm not sure I'm right with God. I don't know where I stand with God, or I want to be forgiven. I want to receive Jesus as my Savior and my King. I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. And I pray this from your heart. The Bible says that whosoever, that's you, will call on the name of the Lord. That's what we're going to do the way the Bible shows us. It says, will be saved. So if you pray this prayer from your heart, you're going to be saved. You're going to be right with God. So make these words your own. Say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again, victorious over death, sin, and the devil. And I give Jesus all of my heart, and I give him all of my life. I hold nothing back. I receive Jesus as my King and my Lord, and I'm going to live for him. I thank you. You've heard my prayer that I'm forgiven, that I'm a part of your family, a part of your kingdom today and forever in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, you are right with God. And we have a book that we've written. We want to get to you free of charge. The information's right there on your screen. Thank you so much for being with us today. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, congratulations. You are making one of the best decisions of your life. Just like Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv where you can have a copy mailed to you. Download it instantly or check out our audiobook. You can also find all these things on our app. This free book is a great resource as it's full of practical advice and encouragement to help you live a life of faith. Claim your free copy today. Walking by Faith is changing lives and we want you to be a part of it. Your gift will help us continue to produce inspiring content that encourages people to change the way they think and empowers them to use their voice. When you sow into God's kingdom, He will pour out His blessings upon you just like it says in Malachi 3.10. There are three easy ways to give. Text WBFGIVE to 1-888-364-GIVE. Visit walkingbyfaith.tv give or click on the giving icon in our app. Thank you for your support. If you have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit since you believed, please contact our prayer center. We have people standing by ready to pray with you. And for more information on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, visit walkingbyfaith.tv. Thanks for watching. We'd love to get to know you better. By scanning this QR code, you can download our app, send us a prayer request, read our weekly devotional, and so much more. To rewatch today's episode with closed captions, you can now find us on Rumble. I pray that you press into the Holy Spirit like never before to experience a higher way of living life with Jesus on the throne. We'll see you again next week.